Hello, my friends. This is life coach Mike Chargman, and welcome to an episode of Mike's Search for Meaning. I'm after some big questions. Why are we here? What makes a fulfilling life? How can we grow individually and collectively? Each episode, I'll dive deep with leaders who are doing great work in the world and see how they organize their life. Books read, value systems, resources used, and stories that show how each of you can create the life and the world of your dreams. Welcome, my friends, to episode 100. That's right, 100 of the Mike Search for Meaning podcast. What a momentous milestone for me. I want to take this time to acknowledge myself. I'm really proud of myself for sticking through this project and to acknowledge you, my listeners. I know that my episodes can be long and your time is very valuable. And the fact that you choose to spend some time listening to the show, it really means the world to me. I've put my heart and soul into this show, and this is a really meaningful occasion for me. So thank you for being here for episode 100. On this episode, my guest is my father. And for a while, I discussed with my dad that I wanted him to be my guest on the 100th episode because... I am about three months into fatherhood. So fatherhood, of course, has been very top of mind for me, taking up a lot of my energy, time, attention. And my dad has been a guest on the show and is one of the most popular episodes of the show. It's episode two of this podcast. And just a couple of months before my son was here, my dad and I had this really powerful, transformative experience with an organization called All Kings. And we talk in the episode about how I was impacted by the retreat and how he was impacted by the retreat as well. And I had no idea where this episode would go, but I just had a sense that it would be really meaningful to unpack that several months later, what that experience with All Kings was like, and to unpack my childhood and what fatherhood has been like for me, stepping into what it means to be a dad for me. And one of the things that's emerged is that I have an incredible newfound appreciation for what goes into parenting. So I have a newfound appreciation for my dad. And it was cool to unpack different life lessons that he taught me and to unpack his relationship with his dad. There are lots of really cool elements of this episode. But namely, who else would I want to celebrate this episode with, this milestone of 100 with than my dad, who is my best pal, And in my wedding speech to my wife, he said, we are best pals. And I've always felt that way in that despite how hard it was for me to feel like I could be myself with other people, especially when I was younger, I always felt like my dad was my best friend. And so I really wanted him to be my 100th episode and 100th guest on this show. I really appreciate all of you being here with me to take this in. I think you're going to dig this episode. It'll teach you about what goes into parenting. And I think the dynamics of what creates who we are and our relationships in our life, which is what we're all after, right? So let's go ahead and settle in. Take a deep breath. (laughs) And enjoy episode 100 with myself and my father, Alan Trugman. All right, Poppy, we are live. <laughs> Let's start with a little cheers. We did it before, but we're celebrating 100 episodes here. And this is, I was saying, this is a big personal milestone for me. I, I've put a lot into 
this project that we call Mike's Search for Meaning. And you've been an incredible supporter the whole way through. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to having you on for 100, poppy slash dude. <laughs> I am thrilled to that and honored that you asked me to do it. And I'm looking forward to the conversation. So let's share some bourbon first. Cheers. Some lubricant before the conversation. <laughs> ah, yes. So you have, I don't know how many, you probably have no idea how many either, but you've listened to a bunch of my conversations. Yes. I've asked a lot of people this question, and I don't think I've asked you this question before. So I'm going to ask you now, I, I have a good idea of what the answer is somewhat like, but okay. <laughs> what, what was it like at Grandpa Seymour and Grandma Helen's dinner table when you were growing up? In a word, tense. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you bring that to the table, mm -hmm. right? So we did, we did eat together because that was something that my parents, you know, that was their view of, of how you were supposed to do things. You know, you sat down together and since there was a lot of criticalness and unhappiness, you know, it would come out in different ways. So just being together like that, it wasn't free flowing. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't a happy time. It wasn't a happy occasion. So it, you, you, you just had a lot of different things that were going on. And, and of course you come to see because of uncle Jeff and Aunt Cheryl, you know, we all experience things in a different way. So you can come from the same household, same parents, but you come away with different perspectives. Mm. What was happening to you? What, you know, what were you seeing? How you were feeling about it? And it was not, it, it was not a happy feeling. So a lot of things that, that, that it was like obligation. And when we were growing up, you know, my, my, we weren't religious. But we did go every high holiday, you know, my brother and I, I don't know why my sister, I guess that explains a lot of things too, that, that Aunt Cheryl got off from doing that. But it was the three of us that would go to Temple, also an extremely tense affair. <laughs> so <laughs> so, so we, we were, you know, and, and it, it also, it explains a lot of the closeness that I have with my brother, because we were like two, you know, two soldiers in a storm mm. and we had a, a sense of humor about it. We had our own way of, you can just, even without, without verbally talking about it, you know, you, you could have different ways of seeing what you, you could see what was going on with the other and mm -hmm. it led, it was, there was a lot of humor there because of that. Mm -hmm. So one of, one of the reasons that I asked this is because I think one, one thing that I wanted to respond to from, from your share is that you, you said that uncle Jeff and Cheryl and you all had different ways that you reacted to the tension in your household. Right. And, and so I know that yours was your default was probably the same that you were getting from your dad. It was anger, right? You wanted to meet explosive anger with explosive anger, maybe not wanted yes. to, but that that's what was your default 
I, let's just say. Yeah, the more the more that any anytime I felt attacked, anytime I felt things were unfair, these were like real you know triggers for me. Mm -hmm. If I felt something was unfair, if I felt you know I, I was being unfairly criticized, that's what it would bring out in me. I would want to just bring 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 you know bring the armaments mm -hmm. let's go <laughs> <laughs> well anger is a big i think in our in the trogman family it's a big one and i have i was saying to you rejected anger that as a a, a gentler quieter natural temperament personality uh, that i am that i have turned the other way from anger for for most of my life, I yes. just internalize that it's not good. And since my sweet little boy Nathan has joined us on the planet, and you have become the title that you have on on your screen here, Poppy, which is what Nathan will call uh, my father one day if you're if you're tuned in here. <laughs> <laughs> and what we call him now, I have I've been in touch with this really big fierce anger in me that has has been scary for me mm, it's been really scary for me and i know that that was that was the way that you responded to your dad when you felt unfairly criticized or things were un, unjust maybe is is yes. a way to think about it yeah and it was also i in speaking to you enough times in in the last almost 33 years i know that it was something that you you were afraid of bringing into fatherhood Yes. So I, I'm, I want to, I'm interested in looking at this from like a whole family lens almost of what, I guess if we just start with when I was born, cause I'm the first child. So that, that was your first step into this huge new chapter of your life, being a father and being a parent. Yes. What, what's the question behind this? So like how, what, how did it how did you start to confront your relationship with anger in a different way if at all what was happening was it wasn't so much when you were an infant it it started to happen when you were able to you know move around and speak and I, particularly i remember it once we started to get involved in sports which you naturally gravitated toward Right. And then what would happen is the anger and the criticism were there. So if you mm -hmm. made an error or if you didn't do something the way I thought it should be done, I would have that initial reaction. And I remember dealing with it in my therapy that and basically the, the it came down to this. The, the question that was posed to me is the things that you're showing do you want to have the same relationship with your son the way that you have had with your father and of course the answer to that was resoundingly no so that really like talk about a slap in the face or a cold you know ice a glass of ice in the face it 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 brought it really home to me that hmm. i had a choice i didn't want it to be that now i didn't know how to not do that and and how would how that was gonna you know play out but i i guess i started with what i didn't want <laughs> so i kind of 
you know, that was the starting point. I mm. as, as I started to deal with my issues and how that was going to affect my son and, mm. and, and then, and then Caroline, when she was born. Mm -hmm. Well, that is from my experience. That is a lot of times how a behavior change starts. It, it's from, we identify the thing that's happening that we don't want to do. And, right. and then we go from there. And I, and I would love to, to get into what that has looked like, because I know it's a constant practice, right? Like the, the things that we are triggered by are, they can be there for a really long time. So right. I would just, once you identified, okay, this, when Mike makes an error in a little league game and I start to default to criticism and anger and, uh oh, that's, you know, that's the same thing that I hated when, when my dad was parenting me and I, I don't want to do that. How did Phyllis, your, your therapist, how did she help you actually go from, I identified the thing that I don't want to be doing and move into like, okay, how do I, how do I actually interrupt that pattern so that I'm not criticizing Mike when he makes an error in a little league game or if he gets a, a B plus on his report card or what, whatever the different things were. Like what, what did it look like in action? So what it looked like is you become aware of, of the things that are problems. You know, anger is a problem. Uh, criticizing is a problem. And rather than just give voice to that and then deal with whatever results from that, which of course would not be good things, which would result from that, you're so you have that an awareness like, whoa, oh, okay, that's something I don't want to be doing. So intellectually, you realize that that's there. Okay. And then because it feels completely unnatural, the natural thing is to criticize, to yell, to get angry, you know, in, in using the word natural, because that's the thing that just comes, comes right out. That's, that's ingrained. That's something that you've, you know, learned. And by not doing that, you are feeling very uncomfortable, mm -hmm. right? Because you're, you're, go you're going off into something that doesn't feel, you know, natural, I guess, for lack of a better word. And the more that you do that, the more it becomes your experience. Mm. And the more you experience that and the way that that feels, then it becomes internal. So the way that you, you kind of get to the point where you're growing and learning and relearning what it is that you, the way that you want to be, and then that becomes your internal life and that you give voice to and that you react to situations with and what you bring with you into things. And the other stuff becomes less and less and less. And that's really, in a nutshell, the, the way that I was feeling and how I approached it and what ultimately the, you know, why things went the way that they did. Mm -hmm. Where did you learn to apologize for your, for when you didn't show up the ways that you wanted to? And, and the reason I'll give more color to why I'm asking this question is that I remember for the most, I mean, this is at least the story that I tell about my childhood is that if you did make a mistake, 
if you yelled, if, if something happened that you were not proud of how you showed up, you would make the repair move and apologize to me and say, that was, it, it didn't have anything to do with you. That was my own reaction. And how did you, how did you feel when I did that? <sighs> I felt it's, it was very healing. I mean, that's, that's me from my current 33 year olds perspective, right? That's, that's the word that I would use. It, it's in the absence of that repair. I, I think that, and to a certain extent, I still did internalize, like I, I need to be perfect or else this, this might happen, right. but, but it takes a lot of the weight off of that. Of, yes. Oh, that wasn't, you know, I'm not bad. I don't, I don't think that I've had this, this like core, I'm not, I've had some versions of I'm not enough in my life, but I don't think I've, I've had the, I'm not worthy of love or I, I deserved to be punished or, you know, I, I haven't, w without those repair moves, I, I think that it would be there. It would, that I would yes. have, I would crack the whip on myself that way too. Yes. And your question was, where did it come from? How did I? Yeah. I mean, you, there was no chance unless, unless grandpa Seymour has some, some hidden moves that you haven't shared with me. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't screaming at you and berating you in a parking lot for dropping the fruit and then saying, you know, that was later, even months later that, yeah, that was my bad. I just was having a tough day. I was triggered. Yeah, that would have been huge and he couldn't do it. He couldn't bring himself to do it because so he doubled down on not only doing something that was hurtful, but he couldn't see like he probably felt shitty about it himself, mm. but he couldn't bring himself to say like, you know, I don't want to be doing that. You know, it just never got to that next step. It was just complete denial. Just like, you know, that's you. You're too sensitive. You're too this, you know, you, you blah, blah, blah. And so it never happened. And it was so, if it was only there, it would have been huge in my life. So that's where it came from. Mm. You know, it came from when you realize like how, how seen you feel when something bad happens, but it's acknowledged that that's what it was. It, it's very affirming mm -hmm. that you're not crazy and you don't internalize it as much. So that's where, you know, unfortunately from hard experience, that's where it came from. But again, I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful recognition because I, I've seen a, a lot of other people who have gone through every single, myself included, all of us have had, and, and this will be the case for Nathan, right? There's a certain style of parenting that we did not get that we say we want to have with our children. Right. Like I, I remember, there's no chance you remember this, but there was one time when I was younger that I wanted something from a store and, and you told me no for, I'm sure for a really good reason. But I, I said to you, you know, when I have kids one day, I'm going to give them every single thing that they have ever wanted. And, and you said something along the lines of you'll, when you're a parent, we'll see about that again. <laughs> and and i was just a little kid but yeah i mean that's just putting that cute little funny story aside there there are bigger things that happen a lot of times when we are little that we internalize as when i'm a parent 
I will not make that same mistake again. I'm not going to do the thing that my parents did to me. Right. And I see a lot of people say that, but not do it. Right. That's a that big they're still actually reliving the pattern over and over and over again. Yes, exactly right. And the beauty of being becoming a parent is you you get to try that. Mm -hmm. You get to do it. You get to see like I've have this new life, and you know what do I want to bring to this? How is it going to go? And so the, the mistakes that my dad made, the mistakes that I made now, you know, and you have your son now and, and you get to do it with all of your intelligence, all of your experience, all of your knowledge, and you get to do it the way that you would like it to be done. <laughs> and all of the mistakes that I will make that, I mean, uh, already I've had to really groove into my, my brain, the grace that I need to give myself because that's a huge insight. And I have a newfound understanding for you, for you and mom, dad. I mean, I, th <laughs> I think that, I think that I've shared this with you guys, but I maybe, maybe I haven't. And if I have, maybe not loudly enough, it's, just I, I could see all the ways that you're twisted and turned as a parent. And, and I've already <laughs> for a lot, especially in Nathan's first eight weeks, which was not that long ago, because he's only about 12 weeks old now. I, I was just thinking, man, th there have to be so many people out there who are of myself included, like, why the fuck did we decide to do this? <laughs> it's just so, it's just so hard and take, it take, it was, it feels like it takes everything out of me sometimes. And, uh, it feels that way because it is, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to places you never thought you were going to go because it draws on so many things. Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it really is, you know, it goes to the depths of, you know, you're, you're sleep deprived, you know, it's, it's nothing more important than the safety and, and, and well-being of your child. And yet you have all these impulses of like, you know, you're angry and you, you wish you would stop crying and, you know, all of these different things going on. It's like a, it's a lot. Yes. And a newfound appreciation is an understatement and not, not <laughs> like, not only for you and, um, and not only for you and mom, but for parents. I mean, I, I have resorted to I don't know, feeling like a three-year-old, I will say, I will just be like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know, you're so fucking annoying. I, I know, I intellectually, I know that I'm talking to a newborn baby who just needs attention from his parents, but it, it draws that, yes. it draws that out of me. <laughs> like, please just do anything to stop. I'll do anything. <laughs> yes. Yes. Too bad there's not just a button to push. <laughs> well, I what I've come to realize, at least in my own journey, is that when I'm at my best with with even a little bit of space and time for reflection, it's that I needed I need to go through these challenges in some way. They're they're helping me grow yeah. in the way that I need to grow. Yeah. And I've lived in, I've created nice safe containers in my life so that I haven't had to confront my anger clearly or or confrontation generally conflict as much but with a kid it, it's all just thrown right in my face and and i think there's actually a lot of applicable skills outside of parenthood that that's why it's such a, a rich conversation mm -hmm. to be having and there's another so another thing that i am 
cognizant of in my in my own parenting relationship with Nathan is the way that I don't want to project too many of my own beliefs onto him. I, I want I want him to I've almost almost to an extreme not wanted to say, you know, I want him to be a basketball player and I want him to be good at this school subject and I want him to do this almost to the extreme of what you see with, with parents these days who will like not, they won't assign gender to their children and, and, you know, don't, don't want to place any of their own beliefs onto the children. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think what one of the, the question that I'm after here with you is that I, if I remember correctly, I think that there, I'm sure there were certain ways that you wanted me to be that, that I wasn't. As a, as a kid, is that not true? Certain ways I wanted you to be, I don't remember feeling that way. Mm, okay. It, it, it came into the category of if you weren't a certain way that, that criticism, that feeling, you know, like getting, getting angry about it, but I guess that's behind that, right? Like if you were this, whatever, you know, I don't know what it would be. Right. Pussy, like a, like, like okay. So, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can go with this, but it's all of the, there's a lot of bullshit that you'll 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 recognize that you have that you mm. bring to being a father, being to being a parent. You know, you you say you want the best things for your kid, but a lot of it's just this this ego bullshit, right? Like, first of all, you start with looks, you know, what, what, the, what the, how the kid is looking and, and, and as the looks change and then what they're doing and what their intellect is and then mm -hmm. what their characteristics are. And so, you know, we have these models of like all of these things that are wonderful, right? As opposed to just being, we're all mm. just, you know, beings. And so you bring all this ego stuff and that's something that is not, not, help me in my opinion you know it's it's to to the degree that that was there we mom and i wanted to just give you and caroline the opportunity to be exposed to different things and to see where that took you right like mm -hmm. you remember we went around to all these different things we went to the what was that musical thing the little the the things i don't we, remember uh, we went, it was in something in Manhattan that was like a series. There were shows and it, it was music or whatever. Okay. So there was that, you know, of course, you, music, sports, reading, just diff different things. And if you took to it, great. If you didn't take to it, okay. You just went on to other things, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, that's, that's how I remember it. That's a, that's a beautiful answer. I, and I, I think that we all do have some of that ego bullshit and that me in the way that I have hidden from anger, I think me saying, I'm not going to project any of my beliefs onto Nathan is a way of me hiding from my ego bullshit a little bit. Like I think there, there are, it's helpful to acknowledge to yes. bring them into the light that it's there, right? Instead right. of pre pretending that it's not there and then it, because it comes they out are there. They are there. You do have beliefs and your child looks at you. I mean, you are my child. You mm -hmm. remember how you looked at your father and your mother. And it's like in a very huge way. It's so significant. 
you know, and, and that's, that's the thing. So you have to be aware of that and you, you can't, you don't start, you're not a blank slate. You're not going to stop being. And therefore the child's not seeing anything. So the child will just be, you know, whatever the child's going to see who you are, how you're reacting to the world and, and different things. There's no running from that. There's no hiding from that, but you know, you, hopefully you give them the tools and the, whatever the belief that it's really is for them as mm. they're growing to support them in, in ways that they are responding to things, interested in things, curious in things, because you can't help but being an influencer. Mm-hmm. You are very influential. In your yeah. Life, right. That's just the way it is. So there's, there's two things I want to acknowledge in my own experience about how, how important this is, because there are two memories that clearly are formative to me. One was there was a time that I was in little league that, and I was good. I was a good baseball player. I was a good athlete. Yeah. I was in little league with someone who I would probably, I think this happened twice actually, right? There are two times that I quit little league because I didn't like the manager. Right. And those are, those are really hard choices to make because I, I imagine for you, if I, if I step into your shoes, that there was, there was probably some fear of if we, how much do we push Mike versus how much do we honor him? Exactly. Right. Yes. Are we coddling him? Are yes. we, or are we, if we force him to, is that going to cause damage? Right. And so what, I mean, one of the ways that I really appreciate that you showed up as parents that I think for a little bit, I, I, I used to think of myself as being like quotes too soft or, or too coddled or whatever. But I think it was really important that you listened to me actually in those moments where if it, if it just didn't, if something didn't feel right to me, you honored that. Call it like listening to my intuition and being guided. There's certain times where it seems like being guided by what was the right choice for me. And you guys just listening was really important. And that, and that happened when we were on vacation in Vermont at Smuggler's Notch as well. Yes. I remember that so clearly. And, and mom and I had a, that was a, a discussion of back and forth, you know, mom at the get go, she was like, he doesn't want to go. He's not going to go. And my, where I was coming from was you, I don't want him to learn being a quitter. Mm-hmm. That was the, you know, that was the big fear, right? You got to learn how to tough things through. You got to learn yeah. that you're going to face adversity. You got to learn how to, you know, make adjustments, you know, and that's, as you know, in the culture, that's huge. Yes. Right. Especially for ambitious people, especially for, you know, when you want to give your child all the tools that they need in our society, that's a very big thing. And people recognize that, you know, you look at guys like Vince Lombardi and, you know, just famous coaches, you, you, it's very there, it's very present. Mm -hmm. Right. So that was, it didn't feel, talk about not feeling natural. That felt so foreign to me. And one of the, you know, we, 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 when I, when I think about my father and I think about the things that he gave, there was no quit in him. You know, he just, as much as he struggled with all these things, his issues that were constantly swirling in him, he just showed up. He just kept going. And so that became, again, forget about what the words are. You look at the actions. So for us as kids, that's what the role model that he was as a father. And I wanted to instill that as well because I thought that had value. So 
but but you know fortunately and again it's important to in your partner that you have the respect and 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 that you see where they're coming from and that that the the way that mom and I approach things we really would have these very heated you know back and forth about it but ultimately it was a, a way to learn okay then maybe there's another perspective here mm. and that's that ultimately that's where we came down on it mm-hmm. was like uh wanting to give you the autonomy to do things and, and make decisions based on what you were seeing what you were feeling mm. it's it's really beautiful and and so something I, i'm going to piece together a couple of thoughts that i'm having here about Grandpa Seymour, probably to a fault, was just that was like the hammer that was looking for every nail, right? He just he didn't quit on anything. <laughs> he like my marriage sucks and my job sucks and my you know he probably believed like everything sucks and he and he just so firmly entrenched in that that he would march on in the everything sucks camp, <laughs> right? Yes. Like he would he was just committed to marching forward even if it meant suffering and no matter what level of suffering yes and and so something something that i'm appreciating right now in your approach is that so yeah i named one side of the coin where we'll say if mom represents the polarity of let's listen to our kids and not push them too hard and you represent the polarity of let's push our children hard and instill in them that they don't quit this is, they're not the same thing, but there are two other memories that are really formative for me. One was when, as a little kid, I, from ShopRite in New City, took, uh, I think it was a piece of candy, and I showed you that I took the piece of candy when we <laughs> left, and that was, that one wasn't up for debate of, like, let's let that one slide. <laughs> we went, we went right back in there. This isn't no quit, but this is, this is an important life lesson, and I'm not going to seed to what my kid thinks. This is an important time for me to say, nah, part of being part of what we think is being a good person is that we don't steal things. And you had me bring it back to the person and say that I stole it and, and apologize. And then another memory that I'm having is in high school, actually, I, I was doing a, a biology project. I think I had to, I forget exactly what it was. I had to grow a plant and uh, use different types of water or different types of liquid to raise the plant. And okay. it was it was something that I could manipulate the data, right? I, I could have just wrote down, I did things and the project was, it would have been fine. I would have gotten the grade I would have gotten. And you you saw that I wasn't actually doing the project. Like I, I told you what was happening. I said, I'm, I'm kind of mailing it in a little bit. And you, you absolutely forced me, no, you're going to go to the teacher, you're going to tell them what you're doing, and you're going to start from scratch again. Right. I don't remember this at all. That was a big one. And then uh, the, in middle school, too, there was a, a science teacher that basically wasn't teaching. And, and I remember that. I remember that one, that. you definitely, I knew you'd remember that one. And, and that was another way that you, that one is actually, you literally instilled in me, don't be a quitter. And that you still have the choice about, yes, you can complain that the teacher sucks and is not doing a good job, or right. you could pick up the textbook and, and teach yourself and, and make a study group or whatever you need to do to learn the material. Right. So 
I, I say this because as I, as I piece all these thoughts together, Grandpa Seymour was that hammer looking for every nail. And, and you, you and mom actually made a, uh, you had a partnership where it was like, which energy, in my words, which energy is, is being called for right now? Is it, right. do we listen to Mike or is it, let's give him a life lesson here about things that we believe in and course correct him from, from what's important and, I think that's really important. I mean, in, in my, in this podcast, that's something I look at a lot with regard to what it means to be an effective leader and what it means to be a good spouse. Yes. And now, now what it means to be a good parent is, is to be able to make these nuanced and complex choices. So I'm, I'm just like appreciating that in, in this moment. Right. Yes. And now, now you get to, and now I get to do it, to do it. <laughs> So, dude, um, I'm curious if we shift a little bit of gears here because there's there's a few other things that I think would be really fun to get into. Okay, I'm just you, we've been at my wedding. You you called us best pals in the speech that you gave, and and that has been true. Like my a lot of my life, I never felt like I could connect easily with other guys, with other men, with peers. But I've, you and I have always just had a really special and close relationship. And even with all this, you have repeatedly told me as you listen to some of these podcasts that I'm recording that you're learning so much about me. And I'm just curious to hear what it's been like as, as we sit here on episode 100, what, what it's been like for you as, as my father to listen to some of these episodes and to learn new things about me. And yeah, I, I imagine that it's a, there's a lot going on for you as a listener. Yes. And, and as a father. And as a father, yeah, of course. So as close as we are, right, it brings home the, the adage that you never really know somebody completely, right? There's the, you, we have an internal life and there's just no way, you know, we're, we're, all of us trying to understand what's going on within ourselves, hmm. right? At any given time and over a span of time. And so there are things that come out because you're doing all of this work where you're talking to these really interesting people who are in themselves exploring different things. And you're the way that you're reacting to things, the way that you are processing things, things are coming out that I just had no idea. I just had no idea. And so it's really interesting to hear, and it gives validity to that, you know, to, to know that, that you're, we're all very, you know, we have a lot of things going on. There's a lot of internal things. And we choose what we want to present to the world, even to those who are closest to us, mm. even to those we are like, you know, so devoted to and so trusting of. But there's still things as we have many different things that are there. And so it's it's really been interesting to see those different things come out. And then like, you know, when we were on the All Kings weekend and being pulled into your circle and you sharing uh, what you shared at that time, that was really re revelatory, revelatory. Yeah. Well, I definitely want to talk about the All Kings weekend. Well, okay. we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> I, I also, is there anything, it's okay if not, but is there anything that comes to mind for 
something that was surprising to learn about me as a listener and, and as my father tuned into the show. The, the degree that you were carrying around the, you know, not being seen, mm. you know, because I felt I was, you know, paying a lot of attention. I put a lot of energy into what kind of a father I wanted to be and into my children. And so to hear that there was a big part of you where you felt unseen because of the differences in personality between you and Caroline and the way that I was, the way that mom was, it was really, that was really a big uh, revelation. Mm. <clears throat> and, and good to hear because afterwards, of course, I felt even closer. Isn't when that the funny and, and just thing? like before, when you were talking about like when you were a little kid and looked at, I took this from the store and looked at, you know, I have this project, but, you know, I haven't really been doing it or whatever. So that's no small thing. You know, you're it's starting with you had enough trust to share, like you did something mm. or you didn't do something and you could start with that as opposed to well, I don't want to let that out. And yeah. so, you know, the, we would never get there. So there'll be yeah. more things to discover, if ever. Yeah. Well, what I what I had queued up to say is that it's it's such an interesting thing about about being a human that when we when we share the things that are that are hardest to share, a lot of times it's what brings us even closer, 100%. right? Like that's and that that was your experience of going to therapy. I know I know this that you you were scared that you were in some way, not in some way that you were just outwardly betraying your parents. Okay. And and if you're, I mean, you didn't, you had some chances. I I, mean, I know that Grandpa Seymour said to you that it, basically when he was when he was dying that you were living the life that he'd always dreamed of in so many words, right? Yes. And so it was huge. It is huge. Yes. And to opening ourselves to these things that the initial, it could be really scary. And, and something that's a, a trap that I have fallen into a lot of my life is I was raised by two such good parents. Right. And so for well, me, wonderful to hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, being, it's still being able to sit down and acknowledge that I didn't get everything that I needed and holding right. space for the fact that I had two incredible parents who did everything in their power. Like you were saying, you did everything to be there. You, you're always doing your best when you didn't live up to the standard that you set for yourself. You apologize for it. Like all, all the, all the really important things that I aspire to as a parent as well. And to be able to listen to the fact that I had trouble in some ways with you and mom and, and I didn't feel seen in, in some ways too. And for that to actually make us closer, that's like, it's such a fucking beautiful thing. It's just one of the greatest gifts that I think that we have as being alive and, and being human. The fact that you were incredible parents and also honoring that I didn't get everything that I needed 
can actually is a, a a good inquiry to be in for understanding myself and b it actually makes us closer and i see that it's a pitfall it for a lot of people a lot of people that i had it good so why am i going to go peek under the hood and explore my my childhood or my relationship with my parents right because i am one of the privileged few like i was born on third base but if i go ahead there's there's a there was a filmmaker named Francois Truffaut. I probably have said this to you in the past. He he made a movie called The Four Hundred Blows, and he he talked about adversity being a great teacher. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, you can look at it and say like, okay, if you have challenging situation, challenging people that you're dealing with, that's that's an opportunity to learn, and that's how that so that that's one perspective. You can also have the perspective, you know that you were given a lot. And therefore, you know, what's, what, I'm, like you use the term privileged. You, we're all, you know, we all have a different set of things that we have. And nobody goes through life without issues, without challenges, you know, it's, it's just there. Mm-hmm. So it almost becomes like, okay, this is what you have. This is, this is your set of things that you have. What are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we can look at it like differently, uh, whatever, d- different challenges that you've had, but you have chosen to examine. And I so admire that mm. because, yes, you could sit and rest on your laurels and say, well, you know, I, I, I have whatever. I have many good things here. I'm just going to just roll with that. But you've been very, you know, looking to keep challenging yourself Mm. to grow and to learn and to expose yourself to many different things. And as you've been doing that, I've been happy to go along on that journey because Mm -hmm. I've learned a lot. I learned a lot about nutrition. I learned, you know, just a lot of uh, about uh, just people doing a lot of really good work. It's really interesting to me. Yes. Well, that's, it's interesting. I mean, this is, it wasn't exactly where I was going to go, but (laughs) no, this, this is, this is really important. So there's, I say, not I say, who's the person? I think Lori Gottlieb, the author of maybe you should talk to someone, somebody, (laughs) she talks about comparative suffering and, and the, I, I guess the falseness of comparative suffering. And what she gets at is that when it comes to our physical body, right? Like if I broke my leg, A, I wouldn't be comparing the fact that I broke my leg to someone else's physical pain in a third world country or someone else has, you know, can't walk. And so who am I to complain about my leg pain? And and she talks about that with regards to our emotional and psychic pain. That we're doing ourselves an incredible disservice if we if we only perspective taking can be helpful to a certain extent, but if that is the only thing that we are doing and disregarding the fact that I felt pain, I felt pain in this way emotionally, even though my childhood was great, there's space for both of those things, <laughs> right? Yes, and I see that it's a common mistake that we make with comparative emotional pain, com- comparative emotional suffering. And I was making that mistake for a long time. And I, I finally, I guess, over a long enough time learned, A, it's not helpful. And right. B, the thing that we haven't 
explicitly spoken about so far today is that it just feels really fucking good to to get under there and to get clarity on how to move forward with that, right? Like I've done a lot of healing around the parts of me that haven't felt seen and the part the parts of me that were felt that they were too whatever, too shy, too gentle, not not enough, right? Like and that wasn't that wasn't really something that was I, I don't know. I don't I didn't feel like that was something that happened as much in the house. But we have we have other psychic sources of pain too, like our peers. Yes. And and what it means to be a guy in today's world where, you know, masculinity is this whole other separate conversation we could have about what, what does it actually mean to be a man? And I think it's interesting to look at, like, that's one of the reasons I wanted to look at your relationship with your dad and my relationship with you. And now my relationship with Nathan is that I think these times are, are calling for a different type of relationship with ourselves different different more dynamic robust approach to what it means to be human and and more robust and dynamic approach to like what does it mean to be a man and i and i really have come to that a deep understanding of self if we can really understand who we are as people that the expression of what what it means to be a man or who we are it like it almost naturally happens as a byproduct of this work so that's why I'm so passionate about it. And I, I imagine that's why you're so passionate about it too. It's just, it feels so fucking good to be able to feel comfortable in your own skin with, with who you yes. are. Yes, absolutely. And so one of the ways that you and I both did this together, and it was one of the most moving weekends that I'll ever have in my life that you started to speak a little bit to is the weekend that we had at All Kings together. And just to maybe I'll set the container for how we could discuss this weekend. But I I signed up for this weekend alone. I was going to do this weekend alone. It's a retreat in nature. And All Kings is a not-for-profit organization that does really powerful and transformative healing work that is targeted for men who were formerly incarcerated. So most of this retreat was with men who had been part of the prison system or were at risk of being in the prison system. And you and I, I had already signed up for the weekend and you and I were having a conversation maybe a week and a half, two weeks before the weekend that I was going to go away. And you were really, you were opening up to me about things that you were going through that you were having a hard time with. And I just, I had the intuition that Hey, dad, I'm doing this weekend that I think you would get a lot out of. Like we both have had at, at varying times in our life, we've had trouble, my words, allowing ourselves to be fully seen around other men and connecting deeply with other men is probably closer to how you might say it. And I made the invitation for you to come, not, not thinking he's, he's going to say yes. And he's going to almost blindly follow me there. <laughs> so as I, as I set the table for what this weekend was, I, I would be just curious to hear uh, if you could place us where you were at when, when you joined that weekend and, and you know, why, why you trusted your son blindly into this weekend. And then we can, we can get into what happened there too. Sure. Um, I wouldn't say trusted blindly. I just had trust, mm. right? That you 
had signed up for this, the, the conversation was about connecting with other men. And I expressed the desire to, to do that, the frustration with the way that, uh, the things that I was feeling that was, it was not happening in certain ways. And so you said, well, you know, you're going on this, this retreat or this weekend, and that's going to be like a big part of it. You know, do you want to participate in that? I said, yeah, I would give that a shot. Not knowing what the work was, what they were doing, what the weekend was. It was like described at the time as like, you're, it's in nature. So you're going to be intense and been a long time since. <laughs> and then that was it. You know, so I, I guess in a sense, because I could have, especially you could just, you know, look stuff up on the internet and do a little bit more research. I didn't have that, that inclination to do it. I did have a lot of trust that, you know, that whatever it was going to be, I had no idea of the intensity of what was to come and how that would feel. Of course, now that we've as you just said, it was one of the most meaningful experiences that you have felt. Mm -hmm. And I felt the same. And I thought that was so beautiful. But a part of it was not knowing what was going to come. And I'm, I'm so grateful of the skill of the people that were doing it because they were just fantastic at what they were doing. They mm -hmm. truly created a safe place. And you, I think you use the word container. Yeah. So it's this big tent where you're all breaking into groups, but, and you sit in circles and do the work in your particular circle on, on the carpet mm -hmm. that you're a part of. And so it was, I just gave myself to it and took the leap by doing so. And it was, you know, it was a tremendous life-changing experience to do that yeah <laughs> it was it was it was very it was very healing to to watch you dig in there and it was it was very healing for me and there's a documentary i know that you've now watched it because i pointed you in in that direction there's a documentary yes. called the work yes that that demonstrates a little bit, if someone, if you're listening to this and you want a little bit more of a taster, I've recommended this documentary to a lot of people, especially folks who are interested in connecting more deeply with men and understanding, you know, even, even in the most violent of, of people, most marginalized populations that you can think of that it, you, if you slow down enough and get underneath all the noise of what's happening, there's, there's someone who experienced a lot of pain and that it's, just it's wants amazing. to be seen. It's amazing to see that because you see the, and this happened, you know, on our weekend at all Kings, you see men who this incredible physical specimens in terms of, you know, they bulk themselves up and mm -hmm. with tattoos and, you know, all this stuff. So the, the appearance is one of its like, and I, 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 I guess that's the intent very often. There's an intimidation factor that goes along with that what that appearance looks like but when you peel everything back it's let's you know i was going to say people but it's men looking to connect in the most meaningful way with other men mm -hmm. and this has been my quest 
Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I just wanted to have a life of connection because it feels way better than, yes. um, than the alternative, which was, you know, being in a silo of whatever issues that you're dealing with. And we all have issues. But when you just put all your defenses around protecting what those issues are, as opposed to let's open it up, like you said before, I'll pick up, pick up the hood. <laughs> yes. You know, examine <laughs> what's going on under the hood. It's just to, it's been my experience that it's, it's, uh, while it's, uh, you know, it takes a lot of, um, it's fearful, you know, at least to me, you know, especially going back in the beginning when I started to do that kind of work. And, but it's so rich, so much richer when you, when you do it. And I think that's what we saw with these other men as well. The thing mm-hmm. that you're looking for, which is comes out in that documentary, the work. Well, that's what everyone who has any type of, you know, curiosity about that or, or hunger for that. It's the very same thing comes from the same place, just mm-hmm. really wanting to connect in a meaningful way. So, yeah, that's what, that's where it came from. Mm. So, so just to set, maybe paint a, a little bit of a picture for what type of stuff was happening this weekend without giving too much away, because I think if you're interested, I know there's other organizations too, that they're not necessarily affiliated with only men who were formerly incarcerated, but there's organizations like the Mankind Project who are doing intensive weekends like the one that I'm going to describe. And for me to walk through every single detail is to deny you the the beauty of going through the experience of doing that weekend. But just to give a little bit of a picture for the types of things that are happening, as soon as we got there, not as soon as we got there, but the first activity that was intended to happen when we got there Every single man in the room had their voice heard and checked in with why they were there. And I, I just remember, I don't remember the, the exact words of the guys, but every guy was there because like, for some really deep reason that I felt a part of me being really seen, right? Like, cause that the world out there is just like you were saying, guys big in stature that looked really physically imposing that I would never have imagined would be the types of people to open up about their their feelings let let alone to like really let their guard all the way down just like i fucking need all you guys man i feel really alone out there and like this is my lifeblood the connecting with all you men here this is like this is the place where i can show up and really be me and just time after time the activities that they were doing in a in a pretty gradually increasing in, in intensity way were were reinforcing that we are all there for, for that very reason, right? That we wanted to connect more deeply. And I wanted to, I think a really meaningful way to move towards the back end of, of the conversation here is to share just a little bit about, you, you started speaking about it, the, the mat work, which was one of the big, almost the, the grand finale type of exercise. It's, it's certainly the hardest thing that for me, that was the hardest thing to go through. And yeah, I'm, I'm just debating internally right now what would be the easiest way to explain it. Would it be for like for me to say what it, what happened or for me to kick it to you and, and to share your experience or to hear both? Like what you, you did your own mat work and I did my own mat work and I was actually able to witness both of them. So 
What do you I think would be best is. here? I mean, they, they, they created an environment where you could go to the things that the, your biggest fears, the things that you were wrestling with in the deepest way and bring it up, bring it out. And then kind of talk about the skill that they did. So, you know, of, of course, it went back to the, the things I was feeling about my dad. Right. And then they used archetypes. Mm -hmm. Good dad, bad, bad dad. Right. And it was very, I, I, you know, never experienced that before. And obviously they knew what they were doing. It was so impactful to, 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 to to use that uh, technique to then get to, you know, further and further into the things that you were trying to get to. And it was, it was just amazing. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And it was amazing to me that you could see me that way, mm-hmm. you know? And I thought it was so cool when you were doing that and you're talking about your issues, like as a son, you know, the issues that you, you felt with your dad and, <laughs> you know, and they said, well, wait a second, we actually have your dad right over here. <laughs> And then they came over to me and they said, do you want to come over? Would it be okay? Your son uh, was asking if you wanted to join in in the exercise that he was doing. And I did. And of course it was, you know, talk about peeling the layers, right? (laughs) So if I, if I rewind just a little bit here, but so I was saying this is this is kind of the grand finale of the weekend earlier in in the weekend retreat where we're you know we're off our phone the whole weekend that we're totally unplugged we're sleeping in tents and every event is geared towards making deeper and deeper contact with both the life that you'd most deeply aspire to live and the things that are holding you back from living that life right and when we got to doing our mat work each of us had identified three different core limiting beliefs that we had about ourselves. And then because the practitioners were so skilled, they would narrow the three down to the one that was probably the the juiciest or the most ripe for healing, right? And usually our biggest core wounds, like I'm pretty sure 100% of the men that I saw there were working with stuff from either their mom or their dad. It, It wasn't programmed from a non-parent or non-caregiver. So we've, we all identified the three core beliefs and then we got it narrowed down to one. And what you were starting to point to dad was that once we identified what ours was, so mine was nobody gets me and there's no room for me. Yes. Nobody gets me is another way of saying that I, I didn't feel seen. Yeah. And what, I mean, the the only person there who had their actual physical dad there was me. So what, what every other man was doing once they got to that place. So if someone else had the belief of I'm not enough, and that was something that they learned from their mother, the exercise would be, all right, who in this room can be the energetic stand-in for your mother? The person would pick the person, you know, the person that identified, oh, it's my mom, that program that would pick someone to energetically stand in for their mom. And then they would have the healing conversation that they needed to have. Mm-hmm. And they're a lot of times required a, a large level of patience from the practitioner who was guiding this because it's fucking hard 
to get to that place where, I mean, I think every single person started bawling their eyes out at some point during this exercise. And so when it was, when it was my turn to go and I identified my core belief was there's, there's no room for me and nobody gets me there. To me, they're kind of interchangeable. The practitioners said, well, Mike, we, we have to ask you, we, we don't need to find an energetic stand-in for your dad. Your dad is in, he's on the other side of the room. Do you want to go get him? <laughs> right. And that was, that was one of the most courageous choices that I ever made because on one hand, every fiber of my being was like, don't do that. That's so scary. Don't do it. <laughs> and on the other it was just like, I, I, I don't know. I felt it in the really quieter voice in me was just saying, yes, this is, this is an opportunity to have a really healing conversation. And I just, when you came over and walked over to me, I was just, I think I already had started bawling my eyes out. And I, I started talking about how hard it was for me at, at different time. I mean, for me to even be able to speak about this right now without crying shows the power of this work that I can, I can just have a level headed conversation because I, I've felt the pain of what I didn't get. Right. And you held it in that moment, I started talking about how I felt like my, you know, my needs were fourth in the pecking order and that I had to keep it together. If, if you were mad, or if mom was worried, or if Caroline was upset about something, I felt like my needs were the lowest. And I will never, ever forget really anything about that moment, but the way that you were able to just look at me and, and really see me, let's talk about being seen. There was, there was no dodging it. You, you were able to just be there. It actually was what you were saying. It was so connecting, you know, we were, we were able to really connect with each other. And at the end, they, they basically, the facilitators said, is there anything else that you want to say? And we just had this really powerful embrace of a hug. And, uh, as soon as I was over, I still have back in, I'm in Long Branch right now, as you know, and back in my apartment in Hoboken, I have the rock that was given to me to commemorate that moment. And I, I really think about that moment a lot. And I also remember the way that several other men had to either excuse themselves from the room or were also just crying there with me because in some way that that was, that was everyone's journey, right. Or, or a, a piece of everyone's journey, right. or I wish I was able to have that conversation with my dad or, you know, the, when we drop in like that, which is why I'm so passionate about this work. I'm so fucking passionate about this work is that when we go to those places, then everyone feels connected to that. We can, we can all hitch a ride in, in some way. It's what we all want. It's what we all want. We all want to be seen. We all want to feel that level of connection. We all miss it in so many ways. It's just the nature of, you know, it's, it's a, it's a quest. Hmm. It's not always there. It's, you know, but the more that it is there, doesn't it feel great? And seeing you do that with grandpa too was just, it was so powerful to, to watch you drop in. So, I mean, if we talk about bring, being a man again, the, the fear, the, the masculinity that's modeled a lot of times is the buckle it up and don't show your emotions. And it's weak to, to do that, but actually it was, it was such a, a heroic act of courage to, for you to, 
and for me too, of course, I acknowledge myself for like, that was really courageous of me to say like, yeah, come bring my dad over here. <laughs> but, <laughs> but for you to be willing to look at it in front of, I imagine that there was a level of uh, added challenge, the fact that your son was there with you, or maybe not, maybe it actually gave you more fuel for like, I, this, this is the backing that I need, but that's the, that's the masculinity that I envision, right? I want to be part of a world where, where guys know that dropping in and, and curling into a ball with tears, if that's what's required in the moment, or if that's the feeling that needs to be felt like that's, that's where I want us as a gender to move. And that's what I want to model for Nathan. I want to, I've already cried with him in my arms several times. And I, I mean, he's not going to remember that, but it's, it's going to happen other times for sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's beautiful to be able to not put up the walls, to, to be <laughs> able to go as, as deeply as in, in, in connecting it as powerfully as you can, as intimately as you can, is what we're all looking for. You know, so it's beautiful that you have that as a goal, as a dad. And wouldn't it be beautiful if the world were more aware of how that would be without all the toxic bullshit mm -hmm. around, you know, what's considered being masculine. And I grew up with, right? Mm -hmm. Don't be a quitter, you know you know, be, be strong. So, you know, like my dad's father was not an angry man. It's the opposite. Mm. He was very passive. So my father, my father's mother was extremely angry, as you know. So I think my father grew up with that as a, like, you don't want to be soft, you mm -hmm. know, because he saw his father, kind of under the thumb of his mother mm -hmm. and and it was you know her anger that was running roughshod over everything including him mm. so it's sometimes it's not just about you know i know we've been talking a lot about male and yeah you know, toxicity in males but anger is anger yes you know and that, that happened to be what it was and so he he, he interpreted that as, you know, anything, if you're soft or if you're gentle or if you're, you know, it's all weakness. The worst thing you could be called by my father was you were a patsy, which meant that, you know, you were a sucker that somebody else took advantage of. Mm -hmm. I guess that's how he felt, right? And so his father kind of experiencing that, he didn't want that. So these are things you can, it's not just men. <laughs> no. <laughs> absolutely not it's it's definitely not just men and, and toxic is toxic and yes. uh, and i actually i didn't i didn't either know or remember that about my great grandfather so that was that's an interesting insight but yeah and it goes back to the way that you kind of responded to your dad right he in, in an unhealthy way he said i'm not going to do that i'm going to do the opposite <laughs> and and that's what you it to some extent in a health a much healthier way you said i'm not going to do that i'm going to figure out a new way to do it so right right so on the back end here dude slash poppy <laughs> <laughs> i think that 
one of the beautiful, I mean, it just feels good to do, to talk about and to do the work that we've been speaking about. But I think one of the beautiful added benefits that, and that I have, I've noted in you and that you have definitely noted in yourself is that when you do the work, when you look under the hood, when you examine all the, you know, the core wounds and core beliefs that you have that have been holding you back in your life, you can start to identify the life that you actually want to live. And you can, this is the phrase that I say for you. I just, there's this appetite and zest for life that continues to grow for you. And I just would love to talk about, you know, you're, you're 70 now. And so what it's, what it's like to be just a 70 year old who's never in my, from my vantage point, like never felt younger or, or had more of like, I mean, just everything you do, it's the, the way that you eat. It's the way that you talk about you and mom. It's the way that you talk about work. It's the way that you travel. There's like, I, it, for a long time, it was, you had a hard time letting yourself feel good in any way. Right. And now it's like, life is fucking amazing. <laughs> so I would just love to, I think a, a neat way to start to end this conversation is just around describing where you are now as, as someone who's 70 and, and loves life, which is not to say that you don't have those moments where you feel, I don't know, a lot of pain or disconnected or it's, yeah, just despair. It's, yeah. It's, a, it's just, it, it was a lot of hard work and I had a lot of anger, a lot of tension, you know, that I had to uh, work through in to, to make my marriage work and then having kids and to to make sure that those were not you know factors that would be debilitating or, or harmful to my children and then to myself so it was just a lot of hard work to kind of overcome those things but when you come on the other side it happens you know the 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 as i went through my life i i was i got better and better and more clear about the things that were important to me the things that felt good the things so what you're describing is the work that I did, you know, I wanted to be a better person, a better man, a better husband, a better father, a better friend. And so it's just really gratifying that you, you know, feel that way, that mm. you see that. But from my perspective, it's like, it's just a culmination of having done that. And then your relationships improve, shockingly. Mm. <laughs> without the without the anger without the anxiety without the tension the more love the beatles had it right you know mm. yes they really did these young dudes from liverpool i don't know how they knew that but they knew it and mm. it, it it informed you know everything that they did Mm -hmm. And that was their gift to the world that they had the talent to bring it out in, so, in such a you know beautiful music that they created. But it's true. So the the more I've experienced that more and more, I guess is in my usual long winded way of <laughs> getting there. Hey, my some of my podcast ad are two hours long. They're, this is meant long winded is welcome here, baby. <laughs> so it's just the the, the it, it's I know. Obviously, we have other challenges. We have challenges as we age, right? Your body is just not what it was. You know, your mind is not as sharp as it was. But 
you can, there's a richness that I'm experiencing that I didn't feel, certainly not in the way that I'm feeling it now. And then to see you be a dad and to experience what it feels like for, for me to have a grandson mm -hmm. and to see, you know, how all this is happening. And it's just, it's just very special. You know, and it's, it's, I feel so grateful to be in a position where I'm in a better place to really experience that and enjoy it, uh, than I ever have. So ironically to be at this stage, you know, in, in years, but feel more richly what is important and what, what it feels like, you know, I guess. It's very special. It's very mm -hmm. special, even though, you know, yeah, it's kind of ironic to be at this age and to be feeling, you know, all these many, many positive things when many people look back at their younger years as like, that's mm -hmm. when it was great. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, I'll say it brings me great joy to, to see the way that you continue to learn and grow and develop and and love life more and and the look on your face every time that you're with my son it's it's a beautiful thing it really yes. is it brings me a lot of joy to be with nathan it really mm -hmm. does well this was a fun hundredth episode <laughs> <laughs> i really loved right. it this is i i don't know exactly what i had envisioned but this is this is a beautiful way to commemorate the the hundred episodes and and the beginning of fatherhood for me. So I don't know you. that this would be whatever interesting to anyone else. I just felt like you and I were chatting, you know, as we usually do. But this is actually something that you'll be sharing with. I guess you know. I guess we'll see how whatever what what it means to somebody else. I hope it. I hope it's. I hope it means something good for them. I, I'm sure it will. As uh, as the creator who's done a, a lot of these now, or over 100, this is the 100th that I'll be releasing, but I've recorded over 100. People connect with what's real and true and sincere and authentic. And there's there's trite ways of using those words. But I mean, we're, we just had such a, a rich and deep conversation about the some of the most universal things about being a person, right? It's our relationship with our parents and the things that pain us and the things that bring us joy. What's, what's better than that? So. I think you've summed it up well, my son. Well, dude, I don't remember <laughs> you're, you are technically a return guest on this show. And I don't remember if I asked you and mom this question, but I, I would love to know it's the same. I, I had to ask you what it was like at your dinner table when you were growing up. <laughs> I've asked uh, over a hundred strangers that question. I've never bothered to ask my, my parents exactly that question, but I don't think I've ever asked you what it means to you to live a meaningful life explicitly either. So I'll, I'll end our conversation in that way. What does it mean to you? Um, it just keeps, it keeps changing to live a meaningful life. You know, you want to live a meaningful life. And I think for me, it's staying curious and seeking connections i i don't i don't know how else to describe it 
I mean, it's very gratifying to me to see you and your sister doing so well. So when I think about living a meaningful life, that's that's way up there. Mm-hmm. You know that you are. You have the tools. You you know, and you're going out there and living your life, and now you have a son, and you're going to experience what you're going to experience with him. And I think that's a beautiful thing. The world is filled with such troubles and, and, and pain and challenges. And it's, we, we do ourselves a disservice if we just stay there Mm -hmm. and see the pain that is in the world when there's a lot of beauty as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what I always feel like I'm trying to accomplish mm-hmm. is to find those things that really give you meaning. And in doing so, you're feeling more connected than ever. And that's a beautiful thing. Well, as you know, connection is definitely that's that's a word that came up several times in the conversation and and that's one of my guiding values as well like if i if i feel connected that's one surefire indicator that i am going to show up as as the best versions of myself and it was beautiful to be able to sit down and talk about all the all the ways that we feel connected and and really reflect on our experience of of being parents and and being people really in this in this platform and yeah i just uh, of course i just i love you so freaking much dude i i value our conversations a lot and if no one else listened to this then really truly who cares but there's a lot of value in it too and that's why i did want to record it yes and i'm i love you so much mikey and i love the things that you're doing it's been an experience for me you're breaking in new ground, you know, to the things that I thought, you know, this is what career looks like. This is what, you know, this is what's important. And you're like, you have the courage to go forth and find your own path. Mm. And that is, it's really beautiful to see as a dad. And I just love that you're living your life. Me too. <laughs> it feels good to be living my own life. So I'll, I'll do my little my little sign off here for the listeners. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and have a good rest of your day or evening. Sending you lots of love. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to Mike's search for meaning. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share this episode with your friends, and leave a review. I look forward to seeing you next time, my friends. And until then, stay safe, stay well, and keep living with purpose.